from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. While the ink is still drying in the story of the Florida Athletic Year, on today's final show of the season, we'll take a look into the future as I'll talk about the upcoming summer for football with FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter and Gator Vision Shelby Granath chats with some of Florida's Olympic hopefuls from track and field about their recent national title and upcoming push for Rio. Let's start with some football. The offseason is filled with opportunities for improvement, and arguably the most critical stretch is during the summer, when players have to take the initiative to plan workouts and get better without the coach's help. But before we broach that topic with Scott Carter, we began by discussing the recent renaming of the field where they plan to show off their talents in the fall. Well, Adam, that was huge news, obviously, recently with the uh, renaming of uh, Steve Spurrier Florida Field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and Obviously, it's to honor probably the most prominent football player, head coach, Gator icon that you know this program has ever known. I mean, Steve Spurrier really is the one who put Florida on the map in the mid-60s, winning the program's first Heisman. We know his story came back and led the program to his first national championship. So, you know, now that he's retired out of coaching, uh, the UAA wanted to find a way to kind of honor him, and they did that by uh, attaching his name to Florida Field. And there have been questions about, well, why not just call it Steve Spurrier Field? Uh, well, Florida Field, you got to remember, was dedicated in 1934 to the servicemen and women who lost their lives in World War One. So, I mean, that's a very important part of the tradition here at the University of Florida. So, uh, you know, it is going to be called Steve Spurrier dash Florida Field and, uh, you know, still Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. But guess what? You know what most people are going to still call it? The Swamp. And who, who named it the Swamp? Steve Spurrier. So it, it kind of all ties in nicely there. It's going to be a big day on September the 3rd when uh, Spurrier comes back and the, the field is unveiled and uh, they're going to have his name uh, somewhere in the stadium, uh, you know, as far as a permanent place marker. And uh, he could provide a really genuine response to that. And he closed it with saying of all the awards that he's ever been given or honored, this is the one that means the most to him. And I thought that was pretty telling. You know, this is something that's really important to him. And uh, even though he's been going for a long time as head football coach, I mean, we all know he still comes back. And he remains uh, kind of like a golden boy in Gators history. And uh, it's going to be a, a nice day, I think, for everybody who uh, loves the Gators, you know, when he does come back for that special moment in the season opener. Meanwhile, across the street, the O-Dome getting a new name as well. And the first time we've seen a corporate name attached to a Gator venue. Talk about the significance of that and how that came about. Well, you know, the O-Dome is currently undergoing a, a, a huge renovation, a $65 million renovation to uh, upgrade the facility. And when you do something like that, I mean, it costs a lot of money. They raised a lot of money, but they also had this opportunity with Exact Tech, a local company that's based in Gainesville. It has a lot of connections to the University of Florida as far as the people who own the company, who work at the company. And, you know, I think in the end, it was just one of those agreements that made sense uh, for UAA and was a way to help kind of finish the project financially and also 
a lot of people were kind of confused. The, uh, the arena portion where the court is and where the bowl of the arena is, that's the part that's being named Exact Tech Arena. So there'll be signage and stuff around there. So that's where you're going to see it. But it's still going to be Exact Tech Arena at Stephen C. O'Connell Center. So the O'Connell Center name lives on. And that's, a, again, an important part of Florida history like we talked about, you know, Florida Field and Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And that came with the blessing of uh, Cindy O'Connell, who, uh, you know, is the widow of Stephen O.C. O'Connell, and she was involved in some of that discussion, and she signed off on it. So it seems to be something that worked for everyone. And, and like I said, in the end, it helped close the deal getting this thing done as far as uh, the renovations. And I think you're going to see a totally different arena, you know, come December. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it unveiled myself. As we turn our attention back to football, this is the last time we're going to talk until the fall. So one of the big questions people have is about Antonio Callaway. High-profile player has been without the team for a really long time now, dating back to January. But recently we got an update on his status. And tell us how that relates to what's going to happen this summer. Well, I mean, Antonio Callaway has been cleared to uh, be back on campus to attend class and to work out with the uh, football team. Uh, as far as his official return uh, to be able to play, that's still something that is uncertain this time i mean uh, it's kind of out of uh, the football program's hands it's a university matter that they're uh, still trying to find a conclusion to but you know in the big picture i think most people see this as a positive sign but really until you see him cleared and uh, in return you just don't know but i do know that having him back you know to be able to work out with the guys and to be able to just kind of stay in shape over the summer to get used to the new quarterbacks i mean there's four guys there that he's catching passes passes from right now that he hasn't really caught many passes from except Luke Del Rio last season some maybe at practice so I mean, that's an important part because I mean Antonio was a huge part of this team his first year uh, just a dynamic playmaker that they have been missing and a guy that they of course want him back I do think the receivers that they have coming in I think they can uh, overcome it for some reason if this doesn't work out but anytime you have a talent who's already proven it in the SEC like Callaway is I mean it's a big loss if he can't play but again it, it appears that at least that this is moving in a positive direction for Antonio Callaway. A big part of the summer is players taking on the initiative to go out there and get better themselves. The coaches can't necessarily be involved. And then another step in that is in the middle of summer when you have all the freshmen that come in before camp starts. So take us through the timeline of what the players are going to be doing between now and the fall to get ready for the season. Well, you know, the players that are already here, Adam, I mean, they've been working out on their own, really. Uh, they took a little time off after spring practice ended, and then they got right back at it in the weight room and then in player-only workouts. And uh, now what's getting ready to happen at the end of June the new wave of freshmen who have not been here. There's been 12 early enrollees here. They've been doing the process with the uh, the team right now. But now you get more new guys. Uh, it's very important for those guys just to come in and learn where their classes are, to uh, get acclimated to the program, to the nutrition that's available, to the, their new weightlifting routines, but also just to get in shape and stay in football shape. So by the time early August rolls around and camp starts, those guys at least are in physical shape to where it gives the coaches you know, kind of a gauge of where they are. Are they guys who they're just not ready, or are they guys who, you know what, if we add this guy a little bit more muscle this year, maybe he can contribute at some point. It's just a very important time. You know, coaches and McIlwain has said this many times. You find out about your team over the summer, 
And when they come back in August, they'll find out about which players worked hard, maybe which didn't work as hard as they should have, who's in shape, who's not. But for the new guys, I mean, the next six to seven weeks are going to be huge for them just to get acclimated to the program and to give themselves a chance to maybe make a great first impression. The biggest event in the summer, or non-event depending on who you ask, SEC Media Days. Some people love it, some people loathe it. But regardless of what you think of it, it's going to be interesting as there's so many storylines in addition to what we're expecting to see from Florida. Yeah, you know, every year, Adam, this event does get bigger. I'm only waiting for it like the day that TMZ shows up. You know, <laughs> you know it's out of control at that point. But right now, there's a, I'm sure there's going to be more than 1,000 media members there again. And we'll start with the Gators. I mean, they are the defending SEC East champions, like you mentioned. Uh, the big storyline around Florida entering uh, Jim McElwain's second year Who's going to play quarterback? That hasn't really changed since the end of last season. What we know at this point is Luke Del Rio appears to be kind of the favorite there after what he did in the spring. And then on the other side, defensively for Florida, you know, how do you replace Vernon Hargraves, John Bullard, and is there guys like Caleb Brantley and Jalen Tabor, you know, those guys are going to be popular topics. And, you know, there's going to be all kinds of periphery uh, topics or just what I like to call silliness in terms of, you know, satellite camps are coming up, right? Mm -hmm. But the storylines I think really will dominate, in the East at least, is Tennessee, you know, under Butch Jones, they've made some significant progress lately. A lot of people have them pegged as the SEC's favorite. Georgia under Kirby Smart, longtime uh, lieutenant basically for Nick Saban in Alabama. He's been rumored to get more jobs over the last seven, eight years than probably any coach in the country. He finally goes back to his alma mater, takes over to Bulldogs. And, you know, they, they, he's got some talent to work with. And uh, we'll see what kind of impact he can make as a coach in year one. And Nick Saban in Alabama, can he just keep it rolling? But the one storyline that does interest me, probably more than others at least, is Will Muschamp at South Carolina because uh, just a lot of great storylines. Uh, you know, Will Muschamp was asked some about that at the Destin meetings, and I thought his best quote over there at the spring SEC meetings was uh, someone asked him if it was going to be strange for him to be on the opposing sideline at Florida Field. And his response was, well, hey, I was already there. I mean, a lot of people wished I was there when I was there, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, he's ha- he does have his sense of humor intact. But he also has a, a South Carolina team that I don't think quite is where the Florida team was when he first took over. But anytime you uh, you can mention Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, the Gators, Steve Spurrier, all in the same sentence, I, you know, there's some good storylines there at the SEC Media Days. While the Florida athletic year is over, the games are literally just beginning for tons of Gator athletes with Olympic trials on the horizon. Hot on the heels of claiming a national championship in men's track and field, Mike Holloway has a number of current and former athletes competing to go to Rio. As she has done throughout the spring for us on Gator Tales, Shelby Granath sets the stage for the Gators hoping to run to Olympic glory. There's a special buzz in the air here at the University of Florida that only comes around every four years. It's an Olympic year, and a handful of current and former Gators have been preparing for their chance to make it to the big stage. Assistant track and field coach Nick Peterson says it's years like this when the athletes are especially able to shine. 
being that, I mean, that it happens every four years, you know, and track and field really becomes a center point of things during the Olympic year. You know, I mean, you see NBC and track and field becomes a primetime sport. The fact that it's so rare brings it up another level, um, but also because it's just a dream these kids have. You know, the Olympics is something they talk about since they've been this big, you know, so it really adds a little bit of intensity to it. And it's just something these kids really, really want very badly. The Gators are coming off strong performances at the 2016 Outdoor Track and Field NCAA Championships, where the Florida men's team was crowned national champions. Head coach Mike Holloway says training won't change much before the U.S. trials in July. The Olympic hopefuls got back to work when the teams returned from Oregon. Right now, it's more of a maintenance phase. You know, we're starting to rest and taper. For the, for the collegiate kids, it's kind of recovery because we just came off the, the NCAA championship. So this week is kind of a recovery week. For the post-collegians, we're starting to take them through their taper to get them ready for the big climax here in, in three weeks. The Gators vying for their spot on the U.S. Olympic team will return to Eugene, Oregon the first week of July for trials. An event Coach Holloway says will showcase the best of the best. They're exciting. Uh, you know, you have some of the best athletes in the world. Obviously, the best athletes in the United States are all there. And, you know, we are the, the world's number one track and field team. So if you're looking for an exciting event where you're going to see just phenomenal performances from top to bottom, you know, there's not many more meets more exciting than the Olympic trials. And so we're looking forward to that. But we're looking forward to being a part of it. We're not going out there to be spectators. We're looking forward to being a part of the party, as we like to say. The 2016 U.S. trials will be a first-time experience for a number of Gators who just wrapped up their collegiate careers. Three-time national champion Armand Hall says he asked some former Gators for advice heading into trials. Marquise told me it's crazy. It's, it's a great experience. It's probably even better than world championships itself. He's also as stressful, don't get me wrong, because everybody wants to be at the Olympics. It's a lot to take in. That's what, he, that's what he told me. Dedrick told me the same thing. It's a lot to take in. And Quran told me, you're going to have to try to get away from all the distractions. Since it's a postseason, I'm done with my eligibility. He's like, you know, people will come come after you. They're going to start talking to your ear. Do not focus on them. Focus on you first. If you focus on you, everything's going to feel a lot more simpler. It's going to just feel like another track meet. Senior Najee Glass says the men's 2016 NCAA Outdoor Championship gave him confidence heading into trials, but he's still hungry for more. Well, it's definitely in the past, but I am using this momentum going into the trials. I mean, I didn't really have too great of a, um, a national championship, but um, I'm definitely using the win as motivation going into the trials. Glass adds making the U.S. Olympic team is something he has dreamed about for quite some time now. Ever since I started running, so I guess when I was seven, obviously watching it on TV, I always wanted to be a part of that. But like I said back then, my first love was football. But, you know, the Olympic dream was just a little side dream. But now it's definitely I'm drilled in trying to become an Olympian. It's crazy because I remember being a freshman coming here and being nervous and shy because I'm around a whole bunch of athletes with great talent. And I'm just this little kid from New Jersey with talent, too. But I'm not I don't have as many achievements as they do. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because now I'm a senior and I've actually grown to be one of those great athletes who attended the University of Florida. Three-time NCAA champion Kyra Jefferson says it will mean a lot to her to see so many Gators in Eugene competing for a spot on the United States team.
It's a real honor to be a Gator. A lot of Olympians have been Gators, and it's just when we all come together, we represent our school to the best of its abilities. Once a Gator, always a Gator. So since I'm done with my eligibility, it's going to be fun to be able to hopefully represent my school in the next level. There are a number of Gators competing in the field events in Eugene as well. According to Florida's associate head coach Steve Lemke, there are some challenges for the throwers that other athletes will not experience. In the throwing events, it's, I'm not going to say it's any harder or easier than other events, but with the throwing events, maturity comes into play too, strength. You know, a 19, 20-year-old college male, it's a lot different than a 27-year-old that's been out of school. They just, you know, strength, maturity, it's a little harder for a college athlete to make the team. Florida already has several Gators who have qualified for their respective countries in the throwing events, and Coach Lemke thinks a few more will be added to that list as well. We have a couple of European guys that are recent graduates, Stipe Zunic, who just graduated last year. He'll be throwing for Croatia in the shot. Kamal Mesic for Bosnia, he qualified a month ago in the shot. Um, those are the two for sure right now. So, um, you know, there's Fawn Miller that has the trials coming up. Uh, a couple other post-collegians that train here that are not Florida grads, but train here and, and throw in all of our competitions. And then uh, like Maria Vucenovic from Serbia. She'll, she'll go to her trials or her national championships. So pretty good group in the, in the throws. As far as the jumpers go, there will be a handful of Gator greats competing for spots on the Olympic team, including Marquise Dendy, Will Clay, Omar Craddock, and Christian Taylor. Coach Peterson says it will be exciting to see all those outstanding athletes trying to fulfill their Olympic goals. They all just had the meets um, out of Pre, the Prefontaine Classic. And you know, there were four Gators in one Diamond League meet, which for that, that's just incredible. But just watching them compete and watching the jumps, you know, after a disappointing year last year for Will, Will's back. He looks great. Like, he looks like he is the Will Clay of old. Um, and Christian, same way. Christian leaped 1776 to lead the world, and he looks great. Dindy's a gamer. Doesn't matter really where he's at. I really have full faith that he's going to go there and make the team. You know, whether he's 98% or he's 88%, you know, you can't predict that. But... When the lights come on, Marquise Dindy is, is ready to go. So, and, and I think he can go there and he can make the team. And the kind of guy Dindy is, if Dindy gets silver or bronze, he's going to be mad. The goal for him is gold. And even Omar, Omar who had an injury at World Championships, um, that's the first time he's jumped since Worlds. And to jump what he jumped, he looks like he's in good shape too. So it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see having all those Gators vying for a gold, you know, and even having three Gators on the triple jump and possibilities like that, that's pretty incredible to think about for sure. It'll definitely be a show, and those guys like to put on a show. Um, they feed off each other. Um, it's like training every day right here. They're together, they're training, and they just move that to the Olympics, you know, so it's, it's going to be, they're definitely going to put on a show for sure. Coach Holloway says the most important factor is for his athletes to stay true to who they are while at the trials. One of the things I tell them is, first of all, we have to figure out who we are. You know, so you have to figure out who you are and then go do you. Too many times in athletics, not just in track and field, but in athletics as a whole, people try to do or be something they're not. You know, be who you are, and usually things turn out pretty good. Coach Lemke adds that when a Gator makes the Olympic team, the coaches are filled with pride, knowing their athletes are achieving their dreams. You know, they've put in the time and the work, and they, they've, they've made it to that level. And, you know, you want to see them do the, the best that they can, but that they're, going, they're an Olympian, and that's never going away. You're never an ex-Olympian. You're always an Olympian. That's a good tag to have. 
to find out how the Gators do at the U.S. Track and Field Olympic Trials in July and for Olympic coverage all summer long, follow at Gators Olympics on Twitter. And check out all the Gator Vision video content on FloridaGators.com. And that's going to do it for this week's show and this season of Gator Tales. The success of this new podcast would not have been possible without the help of a number of people, so a special thanks to Mike Hill, John Rubin, Bruce Floyd, Scott McCord, Gareth Gutierrez, Shelby Granath, Jeff Cardozo, Scott Carter, Chris Harry, Mick Hubert, Whitney Hayworth, Kelly Price, Megan Parler, the Florida Sports Information staff, and all of the players and coaches for their contributions. But most of all, thanks to you, the Florida fans who have welcomed our in-depth look at Gator Athletics to you each and every week here on Gator Tales. Football will be here before you know it, so be sure to come back for new episodes in the fall, and remember you can still listen to older episodes on demand to hear all of our Olympic interviews and more. But for now, I'm Adam Schick. Thanks so much for listening to Gator Tales, and we'll see you next season.